0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe.
1: One gift that never gets returned? Trick question. It's three gifts, beer, wine, and spirits. And with Drizzly, you can send the gift of drinks right to your
2: loved ones' doors. Drizzly lets you compare prices from local liquor stores on a huge selection of beer, wine, and holiday spirits. Then get them delivered right to that lucky someone's door in under 60 minutes. And right now, Drizzly is giving customers $5 off their first order. Just enter
1: promo code JINGLE at checkout. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y dot com. Ich warte seit Wochen
2: auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt. Als wäre ein Rhythmus, als gäbe es ein Lied, das mich immer weiter durch die Straßen zieht. Hello and welcome to Gegenpressing, the German football podcast from the Football Grad Network. I'm your host, Bryce Dunn. We'll start off today, as always, by going over the weekend's results. So, on Friday night, we've seen the Eagles continue to soar with a fantastic 3-0 victory over Stuttgart. Things are looking very bright in Frankfurt, eh? All was even then on Saturday between Osburg and Nuremberg. 2-2 it went. Uh, then Manu curse continued for Leverkusen as it was 4-1. They got beat at home to Hoffenheim, eh? I don't know when that's going to stop. <laughs> hey! Schalke finally got out of the relegation zone with a fantastic 3-1 victory over Hanover, Wolfsburg and Dortmund. Yep, Dortmund still top of the pile. The only thing separating was a Marco Reus goal. 1-0. Things not so good for Bayern as it was 1-1 on Ribéry's 400th record appearance. Not a happy day for him or the Bavarians. Late kickoff game scene, Hertha Berlin nil and two goals by Timo Werner resulting in 3-0 to RB Leipzig. Great result there in the late kickoff game. Sunday scene, Bruce Immunjen and Gladbach three, Dusseldorf nil, Dusseldorf where terrible. Uh, final game of the weekend, we've seen Mainz two, Werner Bremen one. Yep, Pizarro did it again in his forties. Fantastic. Getting a goal, but not quite enough. So we're back once again with a fantastic match day and plenty to talk about. Joining me, as always, it's Chris Williams. Chris, how are you? I hear you're not too well.
3: Uh, well, I'm all right, I suppose. I've got a bit of man flu, if we could still call it that. Um, but yeah, I'm surviving. I'm going to Scotland this week, Bryce. I'm going to Celtic on Thursday. So if I've got any cold, that will freeze it out of me.
2: Yeah, that's a Rest up before that. You're going to need your energy going in there, eh? That, that should be a hell of an atmosphere. Uh, but joining Chris and I, as always, is Manu Vets. Manu, how are you? Yeah, I'm good. Um, busy weekend, but pretty good. How about you, Bryce? You alright? Yeah, not too bad. I went to um, a heavy metal concert last night to see Slayer, so I don't know whether I'm slightly hungover or slightly concussed, so God knows what might come out of me in the next hour. Um, but um, joining the three of us, we we have a fantastic guest on here in Jonathan Harding. Jonathan, thank you very much for uh, coming on the podcast today. Um, and just for anyone that doesn't know, shame on you, um, what exactly do you do that's related to German football?
0: Oh, thanks for having me on, gents. It's a, uh, it's a pleasure to be on a, a podcast with, with like-minded Fußball people. So I appreciate the, the shout out and the opportunity. I've been, uh, working German football, working as a journalist in Germany for the last, or oh, six, feels like seven years, um, covering the national team, covering the Bundesliga, uh, have strong personal ties to the country and the language. So yeah, it feels like a, a home from home. I guess probably more of a home than the one I was born in, considering the chaos that now reigns in that tiny island off the
2: northwest of the European continent. Ah, yes, indeed. Well, we're very excited to have you on uh, today, Jonathan. And I suppose we may jump in because we were just discussing before we uh, came on the podcast and we? we have an awful lot of topics to cover. So let's just dive in. Um, I suppose let's start with the Friday night game as we've seen Frankfurt win 3-0 against Stuttgart. Uh, Chris, what a fantastic result, and Frankfurt continue to dazzle, especially with that very exciting front three.
3: Yeah, they were, they were excellent. This is a fantastic game to watch, but um, I might counter this, um, guys, with the fact that however good um, Frankfurt were going forward, Stuttgart were horrendous at the back. The second goal is probably the worst piece of defending I've seen all year, <laughs> um, it's not only, I, when I rewatched it, so obviously I watched it Friday night and I rewatched the highlight show earlier on today. Um, and, uh, there was a great graphic on the Bundesliga World feed. There was nobody near him for 12 meters. You don't give that player that type of space. And it, not only was no one near him for the first, it's when the ball comes out wide and it's clipped back in, it's horrendous defending and, um, Stuttgart got a really big job on there um, now to get anything back. But yeah, let's maybe let's not take everything away from Frankfurt. They were phenomenal. I think we were all a little bit concerned about Hutter at first, but his his philosophy now has been um, etched out week in, week out. And why I'm impressed, and I've said this now for the last three weeks running, but they're continuing to do it a midweek and they're continuing to do it on a weekend. They did worry a little bit with the um, Europa League rhythm. Could they keep it going? But they keep surprising me. And they're playing. I, I might go as far as say they're playing the best football in the league at the moment because I've seen Dortmund a few times and they're stuttering. Bine we all know about, but Frankfurt are just so exciting. And um, watching them go forward and and every time they go
2: forward, they look like they could score a goal. Yeah, they really do, don't they? And um, uh, Jonathan, we'll, we'll go to you. I mean, uh, how impressed have you been with uh, Eintracht uh, this season? Obviously, with a coach change uh, in the summer, uh, people were suggesting that maybe they could um could struggle this year. Yeah, I think I was really worried
0: at the start. I think most people were. I
2: mean, Chris touched on it there.
0: After that cup exit and uh, their hammering in the Super Cup, I think a lot of people sort of thought, oh, you know, Frankfurt coming out of one of their best seasons in the club's history, winning the German Cup, Niko Kovac had done such a great job with that team and Kevin Prince-Boateng looked like a gamble when he was first brought in. He became one of the most important members of the team and the club became a symbol for the team, became a leader. And I thought transitioning out, that's quite difficult. I mean, you, you lose one of your key players, you lose a head coach that had definitely taken you from very little to overachieving, really, especially with that cup final win against Bayern. And to follow up and be successful on on the heels of that kind of season is very difficult, especially with a managerial change. And I thought, to begin with, doesn't look so good, but have to give them a lot of credit. Uh, the way that they've played in the last few weeks and the way that he's been able, hutter has been able to juggle the front three, and I think it's not always easy to to handle players like Jovic, Rebic, Haler, Gacinovic, Muller. You know, there are so many attacking talents in that team that he has to get the balance with and get give them the right amount of playing time and figure out the right kind of combinations. And he seems to have got the absolute finger on the pulse in terms of figuring out who to play when and where to play them because it almost doesn't matter that they have their moments of wobbliness at the back. Because there are so many teams in the Bundesliga that are susceptible to that kind of attack that they can just outscore opponents. And that seems to be the mindset going
2: forward. Yeah, it leaves for uh, some fantastic watching, doesn't it? And Manu, would you say that um you know, Rebic, Haller and uh, Jovic are you know, possibly the best attack in the league? I mean, Chris suggested that that might be the case.
1: Yeah, I was, I was a bit surprised when I saw them all three on the on the pitch. And I think that was something that... Um, people have been wondering about could they, I mean, there's so much attacking talent and Jonathan is quite right. I mean, um, add costage to that as well, right? There's so much talent. In yeah, that of side. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and it's to put it all in a squad is almost seems to be more difficult than anything else. And I think when I, when they signed Hütter in the beginning of the season, I actually thought that was a very good decision. I, I remember writing an article for Fußballstadt on him and, the work that he'd done at um, Salzburg and then Young Boys in, in Bern in Switzerland, and that he's very much an attacking-minded coach. And I think the one worry I had when I wrote the article was, how is that going to be compatible with a Frankfurt side that does like to attack, but also was very physical. You know, they've often been compared to Atletico Madrid, the, the German Atletico Madrid. And um, it's almost like a paradigm shift because Hütter lets them play football. And I think Chris is really quite right they play some of the most attractive football i saw them in Hanover a few weeks ago Um they then just after that what they did to lazio two times four one right um the five goals by jovic um, they're very hard to contain and then when i saw that he was playing all three i'm like oh maybe that's a bit too much and it worked it worked really well i guess uh talented players you know, there's always the question, are they compatible or not? But if you have talented players, they're always going to figure out a way to play together. And maybe, and I think that's, that's an interesting debate. Maybe that's the best attacking three in the league at the moment. No. 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 <laughs> well, I know I want to hear who's better, John. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I don't think, I don't think, you, I mean, I think it's fair to suggest those three players.
1: Yeah.
0: But, um, you got to bear in mind the opposition that they've been playing. I mean, yeah, OK, the Lazio game is, mm. is, is a fair barometer of where they're at. Um, but, you know, Chris makes the point. You know, Stuttgart are not a team to be considered as a Bundesliga standard. And it wasn't so long ago that this Frankfurt team played Dusseldorf, who are quite qu- quite clearly a second division team and will be relegated this season. Whereas I think Bristol Dortmund's attack, yeah, there might have been enough occasions this season where Lucifabre's side have taken the entire first half to get going. But the way that they've played and the strength of mind that they've shown, I mean, I think I was at the Leverkusen game, absolutely crazy turnaround there. The fact that they scored four goals past their best defense in Europe. I mean, I think we can be impressed with this Frankfurt side, but I don't think we should be uh
1: mm. Although I would say that they've also done it against a side like Hoffenheim, right? That's, uh, I think you have, to, if you have to take the long-term form. And we've, this is the first time we've seen them all three play together right? So, I I would say, I mean, you make a fair point with Dortmund. <laughs> I mean, putting four past, putting four past Atletico Madrid is hard to beat. But, uh, I mean, you see them as the result that uh, Frankfurt had against Marseille and you saw the, the, the yes, Lazio, of course, had, um, what was it, in the end, three players sent off. Um, so, yeah, maybe the judgment is still out. But I think they have, they have a legitimate argument to say, you know, this is, this is, Probably the most difficult one to contain at the moment. If they all three fit and can play all three, but
3: uh, I, I think I think Manu, I'm I'm on the side with Jonathan there. Whilst I think they're the most exciting team to watch currently over the last maybe two or three match days. If you look at the strength and depth that mm. Dortmund have got: Sancho, Brun Larson, Pulisic, Wolf, Alcacer, Philip. You know, they can, Gotzer as well, Royce, they can just rotate whenever they want and bring quality, yeah, but for quality. That's, that's,
1: that's like a whole unit of players. I'm just talking the three together, right? I mean, with Dortmund, of course, like attacking wise, they have a lot more depth. Um, and they have a lot more. more yeah. But even if depth. you took
0: the starting three, even if you took the starting, you took the starting three,
1: I'd still say that right now,
0: Sancho, Alcacer and Royce.
1: Mm. All right. It's
0: hard to just, dis- it's hard to disagree, I think. Um, yeah, well, yes. I mean, everyone's entitled to their opinion and we'll come onto the fact that some people aren't allowed their opinions later on in the show. Jonathan <laughs> wife. You're not allowed to. Opinion. But, um, yeah, I mean, you can go both ways, but I think the fact that we're even having a conversation about Frankfurt having one of the most yeah. exciting attacks in the league is, is a huge credit
2: to them.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Oh, definitely. I, th- I think you're right there,
2: uh, Jonathan. I mean, if, if we just, um, Look at it, Chris, as the last eight games for uh, Frankfurt, the one seven and this and all competitions. And, and you, you did say that they're, they're doing very well because they're, they're playing in Europe as well. It doesn't seem to be affecting them in the league recently, but, um, how far exactly can this Eintracht Frankfurt side, uh, go? When we look at the table, they're currently sat in fifth and above them, you've got, you know, obviously a lot of competition in RB Leipzig, Bayern, you know, Gladbach, you know, and, and Dortmund, obviously. Could they possibly get into the Champions League?
3: Well, that's a bit of a big ask. Uh, I think Johnson's right as well. Maybe a bit of reality. Look at the teams they played um, and and who they've been beaten by. Obviously, they were beaten by a high-flying Werder Bremen early on, then Dortmund. They drew a Leipzig who uh, looked like they're getting back to their best. So they were beaten by Gladbach and then the teams they've beaten Hanover okay yeah they've beaten Hoffenheim but it's Dusseldorf, Nuremberg. Stuttgart i um, sorry they drew in Nuremberg. Uh, they've got a, a runner games coming up maybe not now but as we get towards the the winter break they've got Bayern, um, Mainz who are playing all right, Leverkusen you never know what you're going to get on that day mm. um, and they've, they've got Schalke next who I think I saw their game on the weekend they for once, played very, very well. Um, mark Ute's finally off the mark, so you know he should have had about 15 in that game probably. But uh, <laughs> maybe it's the wrong time for um, Frankfurt to face Schalke, and and especially with their their trip to Cyprus midweek as well. I think that's, although it's not a very long trip, it'll be a tiring trip. So it will be interested to see how they come back for that.
1: I think. That... Um, I
3: think. I think the Champions League would be a step too far for them, to be honest. Bryce, at uh, any side if you want to go into the Champions League, I think you need a a couple of seasons in the Europa League to gain your experience and then step up. Otherwise, um, I think you're going to be out of the group stage and then straight back into the Europa League, which is obviously good for the money side. Um, But for European experience, I'd probably say Frankfurt needs to spend a couple of years in the Europa
1: League and then maybe have an assault on the Champions League. I think the one benefit that Frankfurt have maybe is that they their group stage will be pretty much wrapped up by the weekend. They get the three points in, in Cyprus and they don't really have to worry about those last two games, right? And that's a huge benefit considering who they're playing um, afterwards because they can really rotate for the Europa League matches. Um, yeah,
0: it's a good point.
1: And then, I mean, they're facing teams that are still playing for points in Europe.
0: Yeah, so. the danger with that, though, is a team like Frankfurt, I always worry that if you make that decision to go and rotate, that you mm. lose form and for teams like that I often worry whether that's more detrimental it's not always easy for teams like that to regain form if you say okay we're going to play a B team against Lazio and, and Marseille because we've already got the points and we're through then you have to go to Augsburg or whatever it is you have to you know Chris is talking through the the mm. fixtures there you have to go and get those results is it going to be easy enough for them to to go and do that that Frankfurt are perfectly capable of playing a B team in those two Europa League games and then having a serious hangover. I mean, it can go both ways, but I always worry for sides that rotate.
1: Yeah, I guess the judgment is out on what they can do. I think, I think too, maybe the last thought that I have on this is that Hütter's, Hütter's project was always going to take time I and mean, we may be just seeing yeah. the early signs. He's just of, ahead of,
0: he's just ahead of schedule. Yeah,
1: I think so. I really do. Because I mean, that's what something when I looked at it, because his football is very different than what Kovacs' football was Um, and and that's I think something you know you you stamp that on the side and I think they have done a lot better than I thought they would um, in the last few weeks
2: yeah absolutely credit to them Um, just before we move past the Friday game uh, I'm going to go back to uh, Chris Williams and just say you've always stressed to me that if we're looking at the relegation zone or if we're looking to see how good a team is give it 10 games and I've waited and now it's 10 games Stuttgart's it it doesn't look good for them. It really doesn't, especially being root at the bottom. And you you noted just how badly that defence is. Do you see that they'll be you know, dropping down a division at the end of the year? Um, of
3: course, we've reached the magic um ten, haven't we? So yeah, now yeah. we have ten match days, Bryce. We can um, look at the look at the table, and um yeah, if you're down there roundabout this time, it's hard to get it back. So especially seeing the way Stuttgart have, have played even after changing their manager. I mean, the amount of goals they've leaked, um, is it thirteen? Um, or it might be eleven. But it's a lot anyway. It's a four it was four nil, four nil, three 0 wasn't it? Yeah. So and they've not even got a goal. I can't see where they're gonna get a win. And and the problem is, is even with the opportunities the likes of Gomez had on um Friday night, he was missing them. Well, you know, last season he was putting them away. I was in Cologne when when they had an excellent game and, you know, everything he touches was going in. So It's going to be difficult for them, um, like it was for Cologne last season and Hamburg.
2: Yeah, definitely conceding 24 goals in 10 games uh, and only scoring six. It's going to leave things uh, a little bit difficult, isn't it? Uh, But, um, Manu, we're we're going to go to you now. Um, Before we go to Saturday, um, Bayern have been, uh, well, busy once again, but um, not just on the field, I suppose. But... um, Uh, football leaks Um, there's been a revelation on that just explain to anyone that's listening that goes what Lord's name is uh, football leaks what what exactly is that and what revelations have come out uh, on this Friday
1: it seems like these days Bayern's match day always starts on a Friday no matter when they play <laughs> um, it's, yeah, so I've been following this football league story for quite some time. Um, football leagues before it went under the umbrella of Der Spiegel and the Spiegel is of course a big magazine in Germany. Those who don't know, it's a big revelation magazine. So it's, I guess if you compare it, it's similar to, if to our American listeners to the times. And um, in, in the US, of course, not 100% the same agenda, but, you know, in in terms of magnitude and football leagues in particular, they, what they've been doing, it's a it's a man named John. It's not Jonathan Harding. Um, it's a different John yeah. who's been leaking documents. Slowly, but, it was. Yeah, it if it only the it was. With the entire world. Uh, so we've managed
2: to catch him and get him on the podcast. Exclusive,
1: exclusive. <laughs> uh, we got John, uh, the guy behind Football Leagues. No, in all seriousness, <laughs> It's all started with a homepage. And um, I remember when I first stumbled across them, this was in, I think, in 2015. And they, they slowly but surely every day leak documents onto their homepage. And it's really interesting. We have a few articles up on, on football Grad on what they did. And it was sometimes it was just a contract, a contract that showed that there was third party ownership involved. Um, contracts that showed that they didn't, ne- players didn't necessarily pay taxes. Um, it's the sort of things that we all kind of knew were going on, but. I guess they he he just pushed it all in the open. And then it went under the umbrella of their Spiegel, which is in one way is a good thing because they can handle the resources much better. It's a lot of data. On the other hand, it also means that we don't really, it's not as open as it used to be. So what they have done, they have, remind me, I think it was 80 gigabytes of of data that they have been sifting through for the last six months. And the first batch was revealed on Friday. And that first batch included the fact that Bayern Munich alongside a bunch of other big European clubs, um, have been plotting to create a European Super League. Now Bayern, of course, have immediately released a press statement in both English and in German, where Karl-Heinz Rummenigge adamantly declared that he has, he and the club have no plans to leave the Bundesliga or UEFA competitions, because this was one of the things that, uh, football leagues document, uh, revealed that they were actually hired a law firm to test whether they could uh, leave the Bundesliga and UEFA competitions. Now, of course, um, it also revealed all sorts of other beautiful things, like clubs not paying taxes, like, uh, these, the, the fact that there's some clubs that have been doping. Um, that's all documents that are still coming, but this particular badge was all directed at Bayern. The Spiegel really released, the uh, the headline of the new magazine was just red, Der Verrat, the treason, um, showing a Bayern logo sticking out the t- tongue. Uh, presumably to the rest of the league. So, um, it's, it's a mess in, in a lot of ways. And it kind of feeds into everything that's been going on, because I believe two weeks ago, we were sitting here discussing, um, the press conference where Bayern basically said, like, from now on, we, we are not going to accept, um, the way the media is treating us. Right. So, um, it's kind of like another not a blow for everyone who kind of who covers the Bundesliga or the Bundesliga as a product in general, because there's Bayern doing Bayern things. And um I think um there's a lot to discuss on how 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 Bayern thinks that they're kinda above everyone else. Um so yeah, I guess the floor is open to everyone to discuss this. I I think um Jonathan, I know that you've been following the the press conference two weeks ago, I know that over at DW where you work, you have been working a lot on like kind of retranslating the documents that have been leaked by the Spiegel and sort of mm. spreading the word on it. So, I mean, this is, this is, this is such an attack on the foundations of German football, I feel.
0: Yeah. I mean, anything, anything, uh, directed towards Bayern Munich is an attack on Bayern German football because Bayern Munich make up such a large part of yeah. what German football has become, especially in the modern era. Um, I thought it was also interesting that quite large chunks of, of that article um, focused on, on Super League and Rummenigge's desire to explore the idea were quite direct uh, attacks at Rummenigge himself. Um, his role as the former chairman of the ECA, the European Club Association, where he's supposed to be encouraging uh, a fair market, if you like, um, for all clubs so that mm. the gap doesn't widen too much. Um is all the more astounding in light of this, this uh, th- these revelations, because it effectively suggests, with fairly strong evidence, that at the same time of saying, yep, yeah, we're in conversation with UEFA, we're also talking to the ECA teams about how we want to move UEFA competitions forward and how we want to deal with it and make it more competitive," he's also sending off Bayern Munich's attorney to check the legal possibilities and the loopholes into creating a super league i mean it's it's genuinely i think the saddest thing is i'm sure you feel the same and correct me if i'm wrong but well you all feel the same it's not really that surprising um that the the men the richest men at the top of the sport are exploring ways in which to make more money it's desperately disappointing uh and sad because Mm. i think the sport that a lot of people love around the world especially at this level is constantly being exploited um but i wouldn't say it's surprising um it it doesn't surprise me that bayern munich have have this opinion that they're better than than the league uh, their protests uh, in lieu of this evidence uh, are feel are very templated they they feel very well we've got to say this so we're going to say this um it's I think it's just concerning because I just don't know how much more evidence is going to come out, and if this is just the beginning, then you know you have to feel like there's this is just the beginning of of a tremendous fire, <laughs> and yeah. uh, worse is worse
1: to come. I think. Yeah, I mean, I, it, maybe just to Bryce Bryce It's because definitely going to happen. No, it's. I don't. Th- I don't think necessarily will happen. No, I mean, I, the, the clubs exploring but
0: I and they were quick to shut that down. Mm. But, um, the fact that they thought about it and the fact that they explored the possibility is enough. And if I was a Bayern Munich fan, I'd be furious. I mean, they protested this, uh, at the game. I think there was a banner that yeah. says, Oh, you know, Deutsche Meister is not enough for you anymore, huh? You know, winning, winning these titles isn't enough. Only, only being Deutsche Meister. And, um, I think that's a real problem. You know, this constant conversation and, and all of these, um, new football leaks that come out it's is intriguing, but the entire time, the one thing that rings true for me or that resonates the most is that no one is ever discussing the fans. Yeah. And, and they are totally abandoned. It's like, it's like a sim, uh, it's like a phone contract where I find that the new companies are always looking at ways to reward new customers, but they completely forget about the people who've been there since day one. And it, it it's remarkable. It's, you know, Lots of people who are coming to football who are arriving now and watching the Champions League and are excited by Bayern Munich or Real Madrid or whatever. They, this desire for a Super League on paper to many people does appear very appealing. Why wouldn't you want to watch Real Madrid, Bayern Munich every week? That'd be super exciting. But the truth is that uh, there are also a lot of people who have been watching Bayern Munich for 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years, mm. and it's almost like they don't matter. And, you know, I'm using Bayern Munich as the example here because they are at the heart of of this latest uh, revelation, but there, you can talk about, you can use this example for a number of different clubs. You could say the same about Manchester United. You could say the same about Real Madrid. The, the people who've been there a really long time almost seem to be neglected. Hmm. And I think, you know, the, the Football League's thing just shows that we live in such a capitalist world that the people at the top are still looking at ways to make more money. And these are people with more money than most of the people around the world. And that's what's so so frustrating. You know, you could use that money to develop grassroots programs, to uh, you know create better academies, to promote the league in different ways, to create a level playing field, whatever it is. You could use that money for positive ways, for for, for positive plans. And yet, the desire is to just make more. Mm. In light of the the television deals that we've had in recent years, it, it just blows my
1: mind. And it's a I'm, it's I'm really... telling. It's also telling the statement that Gellinger, the, the marketing manager or the lawyer that um, tested the waters, he said it's all about marketing, marketing, marketing. Sorry, Chris. Yeah,
0: he, didn't he say that thing where he said, "Yeah, if there was a Super League, that would involve brands yeah. playing against each other. And of course, Bayern Munich is one of the top teams in the world could not be involved in that. That is the death sentence. You're talking about brands here. Yeah. And any football fan who's been a football fan for long enough will say brands is one of those words that you just jump away from. Because if you're going to start diluting football club with brand, then you're already talking about the beginning of the end.
3: Yeah, I, this is no shock to me. And I think it's no shock that it's come out in the same week that La Liga... Um, hired a marketing firm in America to create a Twitter account to bring us the game, obviously bring US the yeah. game. They want to take a, a competitive La Liga fixture. Um I know this isn't a Spanish podcast, but it it, it fills in this is the way football's going. Yeah. They want to take a competitive Spanish fixture onto the continent of America um, onto a different confederation of FIFA's continent and, and play a, com- a competitive fixture. Well, how does that how does that stand for, for the fans of both sides of the clubs that it's going to happen to? Now, I know the NFL does it, but I every time there's an NFL game at Wembley, I think, why is there an NFL game at Wembley? Why why is – I don't even know NFL teams. This might not even be a real team anymore. They might be defunct. But why does Seattle Seahawks playing at Wembley? You know, what's Wembley got to do? It's all about it's an example, making the though, brand it's, bigger.
0: Yeah, it's exactly, it's exactly that. And I, I cannot imagine yeah. anything other than an NFL team coming in the next five years. And that's simply as a result of product placement. If you, and there are a huge number of NFL fans in the United Kingdom as a result of that promotion and those games in the last few years. And you can be sure that the NFL is making a tidy sum oh, in yeah. terms of the promotion and Wembley in turn, you know, one of the biggest, greatest football stadiums in the world as, you know, to look at to maintain it as a result of renting it out. And you get into this horrible situation, as you said, Chris, where it literally just becomes about brands and it becomes about money. And there's very little consideration. Now, you can go down the route of saying, oh, but what about all those NFL fans in London who love seeing those games? And I, I'm an NFL fan, I, but my team plays on the West Coast. They will never come across because the distance is too far. Mm-hmm. I've been to one of those games, I think it was three or four years ago in London, and everybody comes. It's a great occasion. But, you know, you ask those, you ask those, uh, those Falcons fans or you ask those Jaguar fans, how do they feel? Well, I don't know. You know, it costs them 200 bucks a go when they're at home normally. So are they really going to come across the Atlantic? Yeah. Um, but that's, that's not what they're interested in. You know, that's not, they're not interested in that, that fan base back at home. As you were saying, Chris, it's, that's not what they're, they're about. And that's what this danger is with, with the Super League or with the Spanish League going to America. It's just a move away from the people ultimately who have made football clubs what they are today. If these people don't, if fans don't go to the stadium and they don't pay, um, for tickets and they don't buy the shirts and they don't support the club and they don't talk about them and generate interest on them, about them online by talking about them, then nobody would watch it. Then there wouldn't be massive deals. So mm. th- this move away is so, uh, is so fascinating because it seems to be neglecting the number one core people of the sport.
3: The customers, that's that's, that's, yeah, they're the ones that, yeah, the customers, they're the ones that get exploited. We see it, we, we see it all over. You um, see it a lot in the Premier League. Liverpool, uh, my side, uh, are great at it. They, you know, they're plastering pictures of the cop everywhere. you Come and experience the cop. Well, it's diluted, so you go to Liverpool home match now, and it's, it's 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 pretty poor unless you go on a European night. It's a library gets taunted week in week out because the the, the, the working class people, and I know it's not a class game, but in essence, it is. it was, it was a game um, devised by the working people to let off steam at the weekend. And those people get priced out of the mm-hmm. game and all of a sudden we're back to brands. You've got Manchester United Football Club, not Manchester United Football Club anywhere. It's Manchester United Football Club it has been binned off the badge. And and it is a brand. It becomes a brand. Um, and all that these 16 teams in conjunction with Bayern Munich, all they're going to do is go into a one-off league, which I don't think would have any promotion because I did read there was a, a second division that, um, at Atletico Madrid and Borussia Dortmund in. I can't see them maybe agreeing to that, but we'll wait and see for some more leaks to come out. Um, and very much with you, this is the tip. Um, and I think for for the likes of of Bayern and and Rummenigge's press release and also the press releases from um, PSG and Manchester City, I don't quite think they understand what the term leaks mean. This isn't made up. These are documents that have been seen and leaked. For you to come out and say, actually, there's no relevance, this is all made up, I think you're just going to end up with egg on your face afterwards.
1: I think there's one positive, though. um, And I think that's maybe a big difference between the Bundesliga and German fan culture and the rest of Europe was the pushback that we saw this week. And we have seen really hard pushback from the fans on a number of things in in German football in the last season and a half. I mean, how many podcasts have we done now where we we said like the German fans in this city protested about this or that and the pushback. And I mean, Bayern fans, I, I thought it was really good. The way they push back on this, and they've been pushing back on a number of things. And you know, the fact that their their second jersey is a mint green in order to <laughs> appease, appease the sponsor Qatar, right? That's really what that mint green shirt is about. Um yeah. And then like, they, they're all the posters that they have. Paragraph number one: We play in red, right? Because anything, any other color, especially if they add blue, yeah. There's another team in Munich that plays in blue, by the way. So it's. I think that is really something that German football still has. Because I don't think there were any protests in the Liverpool-Arsenal game, the two, game, two, two English teams that were listed on the paper. But
0: isn't that because of what Chris just said, that the people who might like to have yeah. a voice are not even there anymore? Yeah. and that's and, the and danger. A, and, and, and that's a sad yeah. a sad point. But if Germany doesn't heed those warnings, then that's my biggest fear. Because as much as I agree that the pushback is a good thing, German football is very much in danger of chasing down the Premier League too hard. Yeah, and absolutely. if it does that, it will sell the soul of what makes German football so special. And, yeah. you know, you don't, as you say, you, you only need to be in any number of, of Bundesliga grounds on the weekend, almost any weekend to see their protest against the DFB, to see, you know, fans show how they feel about where money is being used and that, that it's really all about the profit. And the fact that Karl Heinz in that rather remarkable press conference a few weeks ago spoke about, you know, we're not going to take any of this abuse. And, you know, we, he talked about the German constitution. No, remarkable uses of language, really. And here we are with evidence to suggest that for all he was saying about, you know, freedom of speech and not attacking people and not manipulating situations, here is concrete evidence to suggest that's exactly what you're doing. And I think that's what really frustrates so many people. It's this contradiction in terms that always comes around in football and a lack of transparency. You know, if you can't do your job, without telling people what you're doing and where the money's going because you're, you know that it's not quite by the book or that it's not what the club should be about.
1: It's the beginning of the end. Yeah, not quite by the book. I mean, um, you just have to look at who runs by and, and um, how they have handled money by the book, right? Um, that's yeah, I mean, maybe... they
0: don't have a problem. They don't have a yeah. problem with... Well, they have a problem with the press. Um, they don't have a problem with checking out the European Super League, but they don't have a problem with being paid by Hamad International Airport to have yeah. sponsors. They don't have a problem with going to Qatar, even though the human rights issues are absolutely off the chain. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't make any sense to me. And, and, and the inability of people in senior positions in, in that club and in many clubs around the world to just take the money and not how that might reflect on the club's values blows my mind. And it just reiterates this idea of a capitalist world where people are only ever about being number one and making the most money and being, you know, leading in the social media charts uh, and making the most profit.
1: Well, in Bayern, it's in the song "Forever Number One," right? So yeah, well, and that's even
0: in English anyway. (laughs) Yeah, it's in English.
2: (laughs) Well, well, guys, I I think we we could spend several podcasts talking about this. It could keep on, and I think you took the words out of my mouth or the description, um, Jonathan, in Number One. You know, these people are thinking of Number One. But anyway, um, Number One will be playing uh, Number Three next week when we see Bayern taking on uh, Borussia Dortmund. Um, I feel we're going to have to touch uh, a little bit on that. As we've seen Dortmund win once again uh, this weekend away to Wolfsburg but we've seen, uh, we've seen Bayern uh, draw 1-1 I don't know about you guys but when that equaliser from Freiburg went in, I was hearing a little bit of Simon and Garfunkel playing in my ears but um, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll maybe uh, not discuss that um, t- in any more depth, we don't want anyone to get banned <laughs> from the buffet um, but yes, uh, Chris uh, <laughs> we see the two sides uh, play each other next weekend, uh, don't we and the last time um, Dortmund were actually ab- above Bayern in-, in the league when it came into one of these games. It was 2011-2012 season and that is when Dortmund won the league. Um, it- it's going to be exciting, but you know, it- is this Dortmund's time? Well, well, we'll have
3: to wait and see on that. Um, but I don't think they'll have a better opportunity than they've got at the moment. Um, Bayern, look... Can we say they look old? Are we allowed to say they look old? I think that was one of the, <laughs> that's, that's that was one of the things in a press conference can't <laughs> say. been saying that for years. Yeah, you can't <laughs> say they got old players. Um, I think the balance of, of old players and, and new players is perfect, by the way. At Bayern. So, let's let's wait and see. But, I mean, if you're Lucien Favre and you're Borussia Dortmund, especially coming off the back of that result against Freiburg, um, you've got to fancy your chances. The only thing I will say is, having watched Dortmund closely, obviously, last weekend, um, this weekend, and a few weekends previous to that, is they need to really start hammering home the chances. They're letting too many chances go. Um, 1-0 on the weekend should have been 4 or 5. Um, 2-2 last weekend should have been 3-1 at one point, and that game's killed. So they'll have to take the chances against Bayern, but you'll expect them to be massively up for that. Um, and I think the way this game goes... Um, Normally, it's a very, very close game. I don't think we're going to see a, a 4-3 or anything, Bryce. I think if, if Dortmund can take the opportunity that comes, that they should be, um, they should be okay on this particular one. But what's going to happen to, to Kobach, You think this will be a massive loss if it happens? I don't think he's going to get sacked, but, mm. um, I think the yellow war pod will be pushing out some more fantastic black and
2: white videos. Uh, yes, I'm sure they will be. Uh, Jonathan, I mean, if there's midweek games, obviously, um, you know, a rather large one for Dortmund and playing Atletico Madrid. I can only really imagine Madrid will want um, a, a bit of a payback from the last time. But um, things are looking good for Dortmund, just as Chris said. Um, do you believe that this is their time? And and, and if not, if, if Bayern manage to pull this one off, you're know, it, it really sets it up, doesn't it, um, going um, closer and closer to the winter break?
0: Yeah, and I think that's quite nice. It's the first time in a long time. I don't know how you guys feel, but it feels like a a genuinely big game again, uh, for the first time in a long time. In the last few years, they've really, the Bundesliga has really worked hard to label this game as a huge game. Um, and really in the last few years, it hasn't been. It's been Bayern Munich against the side trying very hard to deal with a number of factors affecting their progress and not necessarily making the best decisions. And it hasn't made for the best game. There'd been a big, big gap between the two sides. And now, ironically, the gap will be the other way round because I think Dortmund are going to hammer Bayern. Um, I personally Ooh, don't, don't
1: think so. Don't Jonathan. I, d-
0: <laughs> I don't believe in jinx it. What a statement. Um, I, d- I, don't, I don't see anything about this Bayern side that inspires. And in those yeah. situations, I mean, they got really beaten by a disciplined Hettabill inside. Lucy Favre makes teams better. I totally agree with Chris that the way they should have drawn that game against Wolfsburg on the weekend, they were pretty fortunate. Uh, the way they played in the second half wasn't great. But they are unbeaten in 15 games, I think. Um, yeah. That's remarkable. Uh, Barber can say all he wants about, oh, let's take it slow, let's take it slow. I think they beat Bayern, I think they open up a seven-point gap, seven point gap going into the international break. And I think if they're top of Christmas, they win the league. Uh, Jonathan,
2: um, would you not say that Niko Kovac uh, makes teams better?
0: Yeah, but not this Bayern team. Um, I think Niko Kovac is, uh, needs to be given time, and I think that's part of the problem. Bayern Munich don't know what they want, and it's quite clear that Niko Kovac wasn't their first choice this summer, um, and they're having to make do with how they feel about that. Niko Kovac made Frankfurt a much better side than they were, but he wasn't having to deal with a huge number of egos. He wasn't having to deal with Champions League, and he certainly wasn't having to deal with a huge weight of expectation or press that he's having to deal with at Bayern Munich. It's a whole different ballgame. And or Mrs. Muller's Instagram. Or Mrs. Muller's Instagram. I mean, to be honest with you, that's a whole other conversation. But, or you know, right now,
1: Or Sporting he, or. Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
0: he, he's having to, he's having to face so many things that yeah. he's never faced in his managerial career before. And I think that that's what makes it harder for him to do his job as a coach. And I, I don't know. I don't think we're at the right time to answer the question of whether he's the right coach for Bayern. But I think Bayern have to give him a season because if they don't, they're already admitting that they should never have hired him in the first place. And right now, the last thing that Bayern Munich need is more bad press. Mm. So I think they have to ride Kovacs for the rest of the season, whatever happens, which right now is probably the last thing that Bayern Munich fans want to hear because the way that they've been playing recently hasn't been very inspiring. But I don't think they've left themselves with any option. In many ways, it's a bit like Germany. They haven't left themselves with very many options and they've been forced into this corner by the decisions that they've made.
1: It's interesting that you say that because there's no plan B to Niko Kovac Jonathan uh, but it's okay if they don't have I, a plan no. b like, and it you know, is it is time they didn't. i think but. if they if they reach the champions league this year i think you know as long as they don't they don't fall we have seen that in the past right where they made a bad coaching decision and jürgen klinsmann for example where it wasn't in the end it wasn't about them winning the title they had to rescue themselves into the champions league and yeah i could see i mean one thing that worries me about for dortmund going into this match next week is the injuries I know Bayern have a very similar problem. That's the one thing that worries me. But let's say Dortmund do win that game, then you could see Bayern drop out of the Champions League spots, right? And that's, yeah, but I think over that's when they get right. still
0: finish. I think still finish in the top four. This, oh yeah, this no, no.
1: But now imagine good to imagine, them. imagine them after the winter break, and they're hovering around fourth or fifth. That's when they get really, really nervous. Right. Yeah,
0: sure. And and but that's where you have to be be strong because yeah. who are you going to be able to bring in? I mean, you can go both ways on it, but I'm not so sure that there are very many managers that you can bring in in that situation that will drastically improve the performance of a team. Unless something has gone wrong on a personal basis with the way that Niko Kovac is coaching the team, um and there's obviously interpersonal issues or something like that, I don't think you can sack him. Um I think we come back to this point, how long is enough for a manager? You know, six months is not enough time, especially for a manager that has no previous experience in this situation. Either you give him the experience and you give him all the experience, which is the minimum of a season, or you don't and you don't employ him in the first place. But half-heartedly saying, oh, yeah, he's our guy. And then four months later being like, well, he's no longer our guy as nervous as you can get, I think that's inexcusable for a club like Bayern. I mean, it's inexcusable for all clubs, but that's just my personal But uh,
2: Manu, if, if we look at this, I mean, you know, the comments you from, uh, like, sort of Jonathan and Chris here, I mean, is there any possible way Bayern can win this game? It, it, did you see there being any possible... I mean, obviously, Dortmund are a great form. You know, did, Do you see them causing what would now be probably said as a, a surprise?
1: Yeah. Um I am... I do think Dortmund are favourites. I am worried a little bit about Dortmund's injury problems in defence. And I also see Dortmund playing Atletico Madrid midweek and Bayern playing ajax Athens at home midweek. Um, you know, Bayern don't have, to, even the slow, poor, sluggish Bayern side are going to put two or three past Ajax, um, like they did away. So they won't have to exert themselves that much. Um, I, I'm, I do think Dortmund are favorites. I do think Dortmund are going to win that game, but that is just the one worry that I have is that midweek game and, um, the fact that there's no Akanji, Diallo is injured. Those are important players for Dortmund and the way Dortmund play. And I think, yeah, that, that just worries me just a tiny bit. If I was a Dortmund fan, um, that Bayern could maybe sneak in a win somehow. Um, or even draw. I mean, if they draw, that wouldn't be good enough for Bayern, right? But um, I can definitely see them pull something off. Um, I don't think it's likely, but I could see it.
2: We can get anything delivered from furniture to toilet paper. And now, adult beverages with Drizzly. Drizzly lets you compare prices from local liquor stores on a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits. Then get them delivered right to your door in under 60 minutes. And right now, Drizzly's giving all new customers five dollars off their first order. Just enter promo code Easy5 at checkout. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D R I Z L Y dot com. Well guys, um I think that more or less does it. Um covering Interclassic. Oh it's it's gonna be interesting whatever way it goes. Oh uh, you um...
3: said the you said the
2: K word. It's banned. Oh, Sorry, guys. I suppose we'll not see you at the buffet. Um, <laughs> let, let's, let's talk about some of the other teams. Go on, Bayern have had enough today, haven't they? Uh, the Bayern fans will be, I was going to say happy, but they're probably not all the comments we've just said. Um, let's talk about uh, Gladbach. Uh, sitting in a second, Chris, um, they've recovered after losing to Freiburg um, last week they, they got back to winning ways um against Dusseldorf today. I, I have a feeling that you're probably going to say uh, regarding this game a little bit what you said uh, about Stuttgart in that uh, the opponent that they came up against were not very good were they but nevertheless they're they're sitting in second I mean you credit to them right?
3: Yeah, I mean the only problem Gladbach have got is uh, again you don't know what Gladbach side you're going to get. So they've dropped points where maybe they shouldn't have done. But I think they're playing well under Dieter Hecking. It's can they continue it? I think Gladbach, um, Frankfurt, and I would have said Werder Bremen, but even they're beginning to to tail off now. Is can they keep that early season form going? Um, Verda, no, they've sort of plummeted. They were second at one point, weren't they? And they, they've dropped down to six now. Although. They're on 17 points. They can bring themselves back in with a couple of games turned around and we've seen that over the last couple of seasons take out Bayern Munich and the 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 fight for the European slots as well as the relegation slots has been very, very close. But at this time Gladbach worry me because I think they drop needless points where they should be picking up and at some point Bayern are going to start picking up points again. Leipzig are going to carry on the way they're going and carrying on picking up good points and we've seen Frankfurt are on the rise and that, that worry me a bit that they could be the next Bremen just slipping down the table a bit, but don't take the result away from
2: them. But look at who they played. Um, you know, Fortuna Dusseldorf are a rock bottom. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, have watched this game and their defending again is, is pretty damn sketchy. Um, but uh, speaking of uh, another side that had a fantastic, uh, win, um, over the weekend is RB Leipzig and, uh, Jonathan we've we seen them, uh, you know, well, Timo Werner scored two, then win three nil in the late kickoff. Um, Do you think that they're the most likely um, side to to kind of get into, you know, a Champions League spots and also maybe challenge um, the usual top two in uh, Dortmund and uh, Munich? Obviously, a title challenge might be a bit of an ask, but to be up there and in the mix. Well, they might be one of those sides that takes advantage of of
0: Dortmund's misfortune. I mean, Manny talked about Dortmund's potential injury crises, and I, I agree that if they lost players like Akanji or Diallo or Witzel, uh, they would be in trouble uh, because they're such cornerstones of that team and then you know, if you buy and can't get their stuff together then you know leipzig are, are well positioned to pounce but they're a bit of a strange team it feels like they've taken the year off in anticipation of Nagelsmann's arrival next year and Ranjik sort of coming in to fill in for a year you know like classroom replacement kind of thing um but and that, that's what it looked like to begin with. I mean, they lost to Salzburg in the Europa League, and I was a bit like, well, this is just going to be one of those years that Leipzig drift through. But since that game, I think they're undefeated in 10. And, um, that's pretty impressive. They seem to have got whatever they had at the beginning of the season, uh, off their, off their minds. And I think they're going forward. I think part of their strength is that if Timo Venner isn't firing, and obviously, fortunately for them at the moment, he is, um, they have such a number of different players that they can bring on to be creative in attack. And that depth going forward is not something that many sides in that top four or five have. I mean, we just, Chris just talked about a Better Bremen there. I mean, they do have good players going forward, but I think if Max Kruser and, and Max uh, Egerstein are out, then, uh, you know, you're, you're lacking big creative sparks. Um, the same could be said for Hertha. If, you know, Duda isn't playing well and Kalu doesn't fire and, Bisovitch isn't in the right place at the right time. They don't get goals, uh, and Frankfurt obviously have a number of good players that are working at the moment. But how long is that form going to keep up? There aren't many teams, uh, and we just talked about Gladbach. I think of their of their last few goals. I think it's something like uh, Hoffman and and Hazard have scored seven of their last. Um, I've scored all of them, and and it, that sort of that dependency, um, you know, that, that slightly worries me a little bit about other sides. Whereas Leipzig. You know, they've got, um, Jean-Kevin Augustin, they've got Bruma, they've got Werner, they've got Kuna, that guy off the bench who just seems to love scoring from 30 yards. Um, it gives them a number of options. And obviously they've, they've settled, um, under Ranić. And there's no reason why not. They have a tight defense. They've got the best defense in the top, what, six, seven, eight, nine, ten? So, I mean, I wouldn't count them out, but they're perfectly capable of, you know, dropping again and, and going towards a, a fairly interim year but it could surprise us all
1: i think with yeah. leipzig we also have to keep in mind that they're getting reinforcements in the winter right the i mean yeah the, the I mean, they that got a of, that uh, signed. Feeder, feeder clubs yeah in europe yeah so <laughs> they're actually getting stronger um i mean they have been playing very i think they've been playing very well the i mean ever since the salzburg game they've been playing yeah, very very good football and you so you're so right. It feels like such no one really pays attention to them because we're all waiting for Nagelsmann to arrive and yep. meanwhile Rangnick is playing this fantastic football with them and um and then we I'm have sure to, he'll remind everyone of
0: that. <laughs> yeah.
1: It's sort of like you know, boys, I, I'm a pretty good coach. I, I pretty much yep. know what I'm doing and he's yeah, showing exactly. that. he's a lot more flexible than what Hasenhuttl produced because with Hasenhuttl when I did a, a preview for Leipzig last year I always knew it was four two two two. Every game. You know, you could you just like replace the little a player here and there, and it was always the same setup. But with with Rangnick, that's very different. And um, yeah, just to add, like they they are signing two very good players um at Christmas time that are going to make the side even better. Um, so I think um this this is a team that we have to you know they could benefit from Bayern and Dortmund going against each other. They're only a point behind um the top. The top three at the moment, right? They're only a point behind Gladbach and Bayern right now. They could jump to second place next week. And I mean very, very good team.
2: But but Manu, do do you think that they will finish um well first might be a push, as I said, but you know, maybe in the top two. Do you do you see
1: that happening? Well, it's happened before. And I mean we've talked about Bayern. It, I think next week it's going to be such a, the, the classica, I said the K word, um, is going to be such a big one because it could really set the tone for the rest of the season in in a sense of where Bayern are going to go and where Dortmund are going to go. And it, I mean, everyone else, um, is playing, is kind of in, in the, in the shadow of those two, right? Um, Leipzig are playing Leverkusen. Uh, we don't know what we get from Leverkusen these days. It's a uh, very much up and down. If they win that game, <laughs> Um, yeah, I jinxed Leverkusen real bad. Um, if they win that game.
0: It's all your fault, man.
1: Yeah, it's all my fault. I take a hundred percent responsibility. Um, that's, but let's say they win that game, then they're on 22 points. Uh, You know, and they're probably second. Um, and that is, I mean, after match day 11, Chris said we're over that magic, magic number of games now. Um, we can look at the table and say, "Yeah, look, this is this is trends. We we know which way the league is going to go."
2: Well, let, let's talk about uh, Leverkusen. Um, I'll let you off off the leash, um, or off off the hook, I Suppose um, for the for the foreseeable uh, manner, and and I'll go to Chris on this one. Uh, they lost to Hoffenheim um, at the weekend. Your credit to Hoffenheim were a fantastic result, but Leverkusen just—I mean, a lot of people predicted. Including Manu, um, predicted big things for them this year, and it it hasn't really happened. Sitting in thirteenth after ten games, this is surely not where um, anyone would have predicted them to be.
3: Well, they didn't just lose um, to Hoffenheim; they were (laughs) were battered. And and Manu's Manu's um, proclamation at the beginning of the season that Bayer Leverkusen will be champions is looking like the worst shout ever. Um, But but watching this game. Um, they're still, they, they were on top for the first part of it. Um, and they're just not taking the chances. Julian Brandt missed a good, um, a good opportunity. Um, obviously, the the opening goal was correctly ruled out for offside. Um, and, and, although, you know, they've, they would have been, um, they would have been off to a flyer, but it's, it, I find it hard for, for Heiko Hurlick to, be getting tons of criticism, because they can play some nice football now and again. I just don't think it's firing up front for them at the moment. Um,
1: They've scored 11 goals in the last two games before yes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but there's, there's, there's,
3: a, there's a problem though, isn't there? Yeah, is. There is Manny, a problem Manny, that, they can't, just... not that. They can't defend either, but when it, <laughs> it it seems to be that when they're on a good day, they, they're smashing the goals in, but when they're on a bad day, not only can they not score, but they can't defend. Like, this game... On the weekend, they couldn't defend. Hoffenheim tore them apart. And and not only did they tear them apart, they smashed four goals in against them as well. So yeah. it's not like they're getting beat 2-1 or 1-0. It's when it's not going right for them, it's not going right. But then occasionally, they'll put a fantastic game out of the bag like they did in the Pokal.
2: Manu, may I just say that you, you're saying that they scored 11 goals in their last two games before that. In the league before that, they'd only scored five goals. So 16 goals have only scored this season, 11 happened to be <laughs> yeah, in those games.
0: I think part of the problem is that a lot, and I, I know Manu and I have spoken about yeah. this before, it's whether you feel like it's Taylor's fault or whether it's you know, whether the players are actually as good as we thought they were. And I, mm. and as I say Manu and I talked about this quite a bit. And yeah. I think the fact that they you know, they beat 6-2 Veda Bremen I mean, that, that was kind of a fairly astounding result. Um But For me, I think it's a combination of the both. I think any side that can go from winning 6-2, 5-0, and then losing 4-1, there has to be some degree of blame on the manager because that is such a variation in performance and result that some of that has to be on the coach because it just says to me instability. That being said, I still am not convinced about a number of players in this Leverkusen side. and I think there's too much of a reliance on Kai Havertz and Julian Brandt to get the job done. I'd love to know what uh, Karen Bellarabi had for breakfast a week ago because ever since then, he's been amazing. And I think that's, you know, it all of it seems a bit stuck together, a bit sort of jumbled together. And I think that's what makes me worry the most because how is it that some weeks it's Harvards and some weeks it's Brandt and then suddenly Karen Bellarabi's had his Frosties for breakfast. And, you know, I, I don't know, and then the next week they they throw a two nil perfect first half against Borussia Dortmund and lose four two. I mean, completely unacceptable performances. It's,
2: I mean, um, Jonathan, is, is is that coming down to the coach then? You know? is is that worth suggesting? I mean, or, or I is it? I think some of it, it
0: has to be. I think some of it has to be on the coach. I know Manu is heavily on uh, uh sort of criticism bandwagon, as it were, and I can understand that. I think some of it has to go in because any side that plays six two five nil and loses four one after that, that's that's got to be something wrong with the setup. Um, but I I do think that some of those players are turning out not to be as good as they as I thought as, a, as I think we thought they would be. So you know Jonathan Tars is decent, but he's completely isolated. Um, Labour wing backs are, are not wing backs; they're wingers who don't know how to defend. They're constantly out of position. And at that point, you're playing one goalkeeper and one centre back against all the other teams. Of course, you're going to concede a lot of goals. Is Dominic Core really good enough to hold a midfield? I love Sven Bender and Lars Bender, but those guys should really stop playing because their bodies are completely ruined. Mm. Huge members in the dressing room, but can they be relied on over the space of a 45 game season? I don't mm. think so. Um, you know, you, you're working in attack, sure. Kevin Folland's great as a defensive forward. Um, Alario still finding his feet great width out wide with, you know, Bellarabi and Brandt and, and Harvard's and all of that, but it's not enough. There has to be more balance. And Leverkusen have had enough money and had enough. Time. What about Paulinho? It's supposed to be an amazing player that they signed for whatever it was, 20 million, 18 yeah.
1: million. Yeah, you're right. But that's, that's management for me though, Jonathan, right? I mean, you, 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 you mentioned a bunch of things there. Um, and maybe it goes beyond Herrlich. It goes to Föller as well, who's, who's in charge of setting up this team and Jonas Bold, right? Who put, who, yeah, absolutely. who recruits the players. Um, I, I do think that Tar is a very good, Center back. I still think there's a lot of potential there, but I mean, you're yeah, quite right. But he's and, isolated. Yeah, he is. And you look at the results and this is a really good example. Um, they did win against Bremen, Kofeld. I'm not sure he's actually as good of a manager as many people make him out to be. And Dieter Hacking, I, I, I mean, you know, people who listen to this podcast know I'm not the biggest fan. So he, he, they beat them. And then of course, the first coach that has a little bit of a tactical knowledge. In Nagelsmann, he's like, okay, well, this team has weaknesses there, 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 there. And I know Herrlich is not very good at setting up this section in that area. Boom, they're done. Right? Yeah. So, I, I mean, if it comes to just when, when Herrlich plays against a manager who's just as good as him, um, his talented side wins, but against any manager who has a little bit of clue, he loses. Yeah, but is it as talented? That's my,
0: that's my beef, if you like, with Leverkusen because. As I say, I think Tars isolated. I think the wing backs are wingers yeah. hiding in disguise. I think the holding midfield isn't as good as it should be, and there's not there's not enough balance to that side.
1: To be fair, Arangois and Baumgartlinger are hurt. Those yeah, are probably that's, the that's, two that's, most important uh, holding midfielders absolutely. in that squad. Yeah, that's well, well, guys. Uh, just uh, one last thing
2: before we wrap it up here. We've only got a few moments left. Um, uh, Jonathan, we we we've seen this was. Res- um obviously we talked about Leverkusen uh and you know, their downfalls but you know a, a fantastic result for Hoffenheim uh and Julian Nagelsmann I mean just I mean we always say uh, good things about Nagelsmann but he, he really is just that great a coach isn't he at the age of 31 you know to come in not having managed before with uh, you know, a side like Hoffenheim who were on the verge of almost relegation and, and now they're consistently in Europe I mean RB Leipzig you know are, it's it's very exciting times um, ahead for them, and it should be a good season for Hoffenheim once again under him. Yeah, I
0: think the amazing thing about Nagelsmann is he continues to perform so well with players that aren't very good. I mean, or that that shouldn't be as good. Their collective strength is so impressive. Um, Manu just talked about his tactical knowledge. That's obvious. Everybody knows that. But I think his ability to understand people at such a young age is so impressive. He kn- he knows how to get the best out of Rhys Nelson. He knows how to turn Joel Linton from an Austrian league striker to one of the most devastating counter-attacking forwards in the Bundesliga. I mean, that is all on the manager. And year after year, he loses big players and he steps up and brings in these new guys. I mean, very exciting to watch him in his final year at Hoffenheim and very exciting to think about his potential next year at Leipzig.
3: I bet you've hit the nail on the head there, Jonathan. That's... We saw that last year um, and even the season before with everyone run to, to Champions League place. Um, the, the playoff place they got is somehow the sum is always greater than the parts within. Yeah. Um, um, he's going to have the opportunity at Leipzig maybe to make um, the parts as good as the sum. So it'll be interesting to see what he does.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Very exciting times for uh RB Leipzig uh, next season when he comes on board. But guys, that more or less does it for this week. Um, Jonathan, um, thank you very much for coming on the podcast. We greatly appreciate it. We'd like to get you on in the future if you're available, but um, we always um, end the, the podcast by giving um, our guest uh, and the two guys an opportunity to maybe um, direct our listeners' um, eyes towards uh, whatever you've got going on. Is, is there anything you've got coming up that you'd like to um, promote? I know it's just, well, thanks for having me on. It's always a pleasure.
0: Um, not working on anything massive at the moment per se, but, um, I'm on Twitter at JohnBlog66 if you feel like my ramblings are worth following. And yeah, I just appreciate, appreciate the time and, uh, the chat with you gents.
2: Well, de- we'll definitely uh, continue to get you on for more ramblings in the future, I, th- I think, Jonathan. Uh, thanks very much for coming on. Uh, Chris, Um, hopefully you're going to get well, and obviously you're heading up to um Scotland. Um, but what else would you like to draw people's attention to? Um, that's just it, Bryce,
3: at the minute. And uh, I say I'm heading up to Scotland. Obviously, we've got the, um, the, the weekly accreditation sweat. So I'll find out tomorrow if I'm actually going <laughs> to Scotland. Uh, so by the time this pod comes out, I'll know whether I'm going up north or not. But they've been good to us before in the past, Celtic. Obviously, I was up there for when Bayern visited last season. Um, we seem to have
2: good relations with them, so hopefully. Some people say when it comes to a cold, you know, it's best
1: to sweat it out. So it might help anyway.
2: Um, uh, Manu, what have you got going on? Obviously, football ground are always busy.
1: Uh, yeah, um, so Chris mentioned it. Champions League, Europa League previews, they, they're coming out Probably by the time this podcast will be out, a bunch of them will be released. And, um, I've written an in-depth, in-depth scouting article, uh, for Pro Soccer USA on Alfonso Davies. So if you're a Bayern fan, you're listening to this. Um, it's a, I, I spoke to a data company in Germany on, for this article. And yeah, that's all going to be probably going to be released as well by the time this podcast is out. Is out. And it's, I'm going to tweet it out at Manuel
2: Fantastic. And yeah, guys, if you're on Twitter, go to at footballgradlive. There's going to be plenty of articles, um, match reports, everything you could possibly want. Fill your boots with football uh, this week. I hope you enjoy the European Games midweek and then yes, we'll be back next week to talk about that big game between Dortmund and Bayern Munich. Um Very very exciting, eh? What way will it go? Uh, I've been your host Bryce Dunn. You can follow me on Twitter at dunn 11 We always appreciate you uh, tuning in um, and we say thanks once again and of Peter in. Do you love watching live TV but are tired of your huge cable bill? Sling TV has the same top cable channels for as little as half the price, so you can save hundreds of dollars while still watching your favorite sports, news, reality TV, and more. Ditch cable and get Sling's total live streaming solution with free local channels. Setup and installation are included. Make the smart choice and switch to Sling TV. Get the best of cable for the best price. Learn more at sling.com slash cut cable. That's sling.com slash cut cable. Set up an installation included with $49 down and $20 a month for 12 months. Restrictions apply.
0: Thank you for listening to Believe.
3: You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.